Hi, hi, it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Fixies and the host of the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. And today we have a lovely guest, Julia, who is in the nutrition slash menopause space. And uh, the community that we have built at Tech Fixies very much is built around a community of women who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s primarily. We have some women who are younger, some women who are older, uh, but quite a few of those women are passing through or have passed through recently or are about to pass through this place we call menopause. And uh, it's a big conversation um, that's coming out in uh, the public domain. And so I wanted to tap into some of the people in our community who specialize in that exact space. So Julia, welcome to Tech Pixies Sparkle and Thrive podcast. Uh, of course, you've been a part of the Tech Pixies community for a long time, but it's great to have you on the podcast. Oh, that's amazing, Joy. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah. I'm so excited. Let's talk about why you wanted to learn how to use social media and what message you wanted to bring to the world. Yeah, so um, I went through the menopause journey like most people, starting in my early 40s and um, didn't know a lot about it, like a lot of people. Um, and you struggle through it and you stumble through it and you come along different things and then you think, what is this? Go and do the research, find out about it. And while you're doing that, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to retire soon because you get into that age when you're in your 50s, uh, late 40s, 50s. And um, I thought, right, okay, uh, what's my pension doing? It, it won't support me, probably not now, in the lifestyle that I, I want to have when I retire. So I need to do something. So um, two things happened sort of simultaneously really um i found tech pixies and i thought oh that's a fab way i can perhaps i was going to be a virtual assistant perhaps i could do some va work and while i retire and i can do that wherever i want around the world you know if i'm traveling i can do a bit of online stuff so i joined tech pixies and thought oh perhaps i could do social media then as well so um that was how i found tech pixies and why i started with tech pixies and then in my tech pixies journey um, going through my menopause journey a little bit more and I had a hysterectomy and went into full uh, menopause mode so to two weeks later uh, even though I thought I'd been in the menopause for probably about 15 years and thought I was over it I obviously wasn't and I was somebody that would do it a little bit later because menopause is like the, the window is like nearly 20 years for the menopause it's a huge window for women and you know, like say some women can do it at 30. So that window is absolutely massive. Um, but that was a big wake up call to me. I had lots of health issues. And then I suddenly realized I could use my techniques training to um, support and help other women out there. Um, going through this journey that I've been through and I've trained as a nutrition coach. So I'm now a certified nutrition coach. And I'm going to get out there and with all my training with tech boxes, fixes and all my support from you, Joy, um, that you do with all the mindset and life skills training. Um, I can get out there and help other women going through this journey so they don't have to struggle on their own. Let's talk about this 30 year window for menopause yeah. <laughs> and the changes that start happening to you. Um, so the the reaction that people have as they go through menopause is different for everyone. Let's talk about, you know, uh, the different sort of symptoms that might be caused by menopause. And one of the things that you've really specialized in is how to combat menopause with better nutrition. And what changes have you made 
to your uh, diet um, to then combat the effects of menopause? Yeah, I think because women do go through it at different times in a different way, um, and everybody experiences something. So it's menopause is when your body is actually changing. So everything that you knew, everything that like you know now, Joy, will change because your body changes the way it works. And there are people out there that will exercise and are really fit, and then they go into menopause and they start putting weight on, and they, they just exercise more thinking, oh, that's what I've done in the past. Um, or I've eaten less, that's what I've done in the past. Um, and it's worked, and it actually doesn't work anymore because your body's, it's changing, so it's not constant, so it's not all of a sudden it works. It sort of goes through a process and it works differently. Um, so when it goes through the change and it works differently, you have to do different things, and it's a surprise to everybody. So well, that was thing. the part that when we were talking about it uh, privately, I I didn't really understand that you could be doing, you could have a plan and a system nutritionally exercise routine wise that's worked for you your whole life and then suddenly none of it works anymore I didn't know that was possible yeah that's it that's exactly right so you know going into menopause it's all about your hormones and your hormones are a major contributor to how you work and how you're made and your makeup so once they start changing and the hormones that you have in your body are different at different levels um your body actually works differently and it needs different things. So one of the main things that affects is your metabolism. So if you go out and do even more exercise, your body's going, hang on a minute, I don't like that. Um, I don't want this to happen. And so it'll just keep putting weight on because actually it's not working properly. So one of the things that I learned and I did for myself was um, change my nutrition. And by eating healthier, so basically, it's just eating whole foods. And I'd always cooked lo- loads. I thought I ate really, really well. I didn't. Little did I know. Um, and lots of people are the same. So, you know, just eating um, healthy food, healthy whole foods. But not only what you eat, it's when you eat and how you eat it um, that's really important. And all sorts of other things that you do. So um, light, sunshine. So, you know, taking vitamin D, which lots of people already know, but how the light affects your body clock and your circadian rhythms, that is really important to how your mind works. And one of the big things that women get is brain fog. And lots of women, it's very, very sad. And when I found this out, I was like, I couldn't believe it happened. But um, lots of women go through this and their brain fog is so bad because you forget, you know, Luckily, I'm I'm better than I was or else I'd probably forget the next word I was going to say to you, Joy, literally. And women can do that. You get in the menopause and the brain fog makes you forget what you're saying and you, you lose your train of thought and you look like you're or you feel like you feel like you look like you're silly. Um, and women all think that they're going into early dementia. And some of them leave like well-paid jobs that they've loved and they've been really good at. Um, So instead of finding the help or they were unable to find the help or misdiagnosed, um, then they end up leaving these fabulous jobs and their lifestyle changes and it didn't need to. So that's really interesting. So this brain. So the couple of symptoms that I've heard from people are because I I I have not yet 
entered this phase. Um, which, yeah. But I know a lot of women in our community have, which is why I really wanted to bring this to the forefront of the podcast. Some of the things I've heard are the hot flashes, uh, the brain fog for sure. From the brain fog perspective, I do agree with you. It's completely tragic that they would that someone would stop a career thinking that they can't do it anymore when actually if they get the right support that they need, they could stay in that job. And one of the things that is starting to happen and, and you're going to be doing this as part of your, your um, the work you do is that corporates are starting to recognize menopause a lot more. Um, and tell us about the initiative that you have started um, to get, to try and encourage the government to uh, recognize menopause as an actual, um, what, is it a characteristic? Is that what it is? Yes, yes. So it's not, I I found this, so there's a lady, and there's another lady that has um, been on a campaign to get menopause um, recognized as a protected characteristic, which is amazing. And she's got a petition out there. I shared it on my social media pages. Um, so it should be available if anybody wants to to find it and I can share it we, again. We can link to it in the show notes. Can you yeah. explain what a characteristic is and why that's so, important? So a, a protected characteristic is something like um, you've got a disability. So we all know, um, you know, dis disabled people are protected in the workplace and they've got certain rights. Um, you could be um, black, Asian, um, different race. You could be male, female, all those. So we have like, uh, maternity leave and now we have paternity and adoption leave and there's all these things that people are protected and they get special dispensation um, in the workplace so, so they've got the same rights as everybody else and part-time people and full-time workers all have the same rights so um, this lady her petition has been it's been approved so that she can put a petition forward to parliament to get menopause as one of those protected characteristics that if you're going through menopause and you're having difficulty your workplace has got to recognize hang on a minute this lady's in menopause um, and she needs support and find ways to support her in the workplace instead of just saying oh you can't do your job anymore you have to leave so i, I it is really sad that when you think where we are in society with all our technological advances and everything, and you think of all the discrimination that is still out in the world, you know, and I think more than more than half the population must be women. And why has this been allowed to happen? And I think it's amazing that now we're actually going to get recognised in the workplace for menopause, because I have experienced that in my workplace and other ladies that have left. Um, Luckily, not totally because of the menopause. Um, they've had something else that happens as well, because lots of things happen. It's not just menopause at that time. Like, you know, your parents get sick and all sorts of other things happen. So they've left for other reasons as well. But, you know, it's really good that hopefully this will go through Parliament and menopause will be a protected characteristic. And I think it's really important that we all, as many people as possible, get out of there and sign that petition and say, hang on a minute this is what we need because this is the right thing to do. Well, one of the organizations that's really active in helping women who've had their rights, um, I guess, violated from a perspective of being pregnant and then screwed is the organization pregnant and then screwed. Yeah. And they, they um, often showcase case studies where someone's been dismissed or they've been gaslighted and then they um, have been able to get retribution as a result. 
what's interesting about the menopause conversation is that once, uh, if menopause is recognized in the way that pregnancy is recognized in, you know, in that sense, then people who are losing their jobs unfairly due to this change that they're going through, um, you know, hopefully there's hope there uh, as well. Um, but it starts with, it starts with number one, the person recognizing what's happening to them and then getting the support that they need. Um, we've got a live uh, viewer who's watching, um, Stephanie, she says lots more needs to be done. Uh, regular blood tests and education on how to deal with your individual menopause. Been tackling it for 20 years, you know, best defense, travel, mm. nutrition, tennis, and weight training. I love that. But this is a really interesting point. It's this individual journey of menopause. There is not a one solution fits all um, situation. In fact, when we when we just when right when we started the podcast, Christina said it's not just menopause that requires good nutrition. Let food be your medicine yeah, and medicine your food. It, you know, the thing that we have to recognize and are starting to recognize is each one of us is an individual genetic makeup uh, of you know. There's a historical DNA that's there. There's an epigenetic DNA that's there. And we all react differently to the same stimuli, the same situations, et cetera, because of our body makeup. So how do you deal with um, menopause in an individualistic way? It's almost like, you know, I remember as a teenager, it was how do you deal with everyone has different types of periods, right? Some of them are heavy. Some of them are light. Some of them hurt. Some of them don't like some of them, some people don't get periods at all, you know. <laughs> so we, as women, our whole life we've dealt with this element that you know men don't deal with. So, is there an understanding now that that menopause is an individual journey for each person, and how does someone navigate that individual journey? So yeah, so there's definitely a recognition that menopause is an individual journey for each individual person, um, and I think this is what makes it so complex and difficult. Um, and why um, when you go to your GP, it's so difficult. And, and you can go to one GP who isn't really focused around the menopause and you'll probably get just prescribed antidepressants if you've got brain fog. Just take that one. But if you go to the other GP that perhaps is a woman in that around that age and is more aware of menopause, you might be go down the road of getting HRT or doing more investigations into have you got menopause and get different help and get the, the correct help and that's what happens at the moment so one of the first things that needs to happen in that field is all our doctors need to get better education and that is happening that is happening um, but dealing with it individualistic um, it's it's we're all basically the same so you start from that point so you start from the baseline. This is your baseline. We're all humans and we all more or less work in the same way, whether you're male or female, really. Um, so you start nutritionally, you start at that base. And this is what will work for the perfect role model. So, you know, I've got the perfect person and this is what will work for that, that model. You start from there and then you tweak it, you know. But you, you can start from avocados are really healthy and really good for you. And I have tried my heart out to like avocados and I cannot. I cannot. I put them in a smoothie. I mash them in all sorts of things, which actually defeats the object. So you might as well just take the avocado out. Um, 
you know and but, well and, gloria wilkinson she's another one of our tech fixies she's a fitness yeah. guru she cannot stand avocados so that's like a no. thing but avocados are good for the for that, they are. For that. all things being equal, avocados yeah. are a great base food they are they're a fabulous food and they're full of healthy fat um omega-3 they're amazing um but there are people out there that just don't like them so and that is fine because we can swap it out with something else and that's so what, what you do. You swap for an avocado if you're not an avocado. So lover? say if I'm not an avocado lover, um, if I was making a smoothie and I was going to make an avocado smoothie, I don't like avocados. I probably stick banana and some peanut butter in there. Peanut butter and um, and banana does sound nice. Okay, so that's one replacement. What are other base foods yeah. that we should be? And when you say like a base food that we should all be eating, what's the frequency of that? Like if someone so, did like avocados, how often should they be eating them? Probably just um, three times a week, possibly, or twice a week. You know, if they have a, an avocado and they have half an avocado one day and half an avocado a couple of days later, that would be fine. Um, but the the base diet would be a, a whole foods, um, plant-based diet with, with some meat. So it's now recognised, and there's been lots of research, and I've just been reading the fabulous book, um, about the, the connection between what you eat and your um, your brain and how your mind works and uh, man mental illness. And it's still a whole foods diet. So based on whole grains um, and cooking from scratch, really no processed foods, because all the processed foods that you can buy in the shops um, are full of chemicals. And even if they've got the um say the broccoli or the vegetables in there they've had to do something to those vegetables to make them last because you know it's not going to last that long if you put the broccoli on the side or even in the fridge it won't last as long as that broccoli's been in that package so you know it's not good for you so it's eating a whole foods diet that's full of whole grains like brown rice um my husband and I did probably when the kids came along because they did they didn't want the brown bread, but we switched to the multi-grain seed, the Saints Breeze multi-seed um, bread. We've and we've had that for years and years and years. Um, yeah. But the kids are still, you know, they're not quite there yet. So there's they have the the farm the farm White House bread, and the rest of us eat the. But but I seed sensations. That's what it's called, and I love it, and it's. It's all it's a little bit sweet. They've got seeds along the top and it's it's quite nice that one. So um yeah, that's not that good. It's not that good news. for you. Oh no. Um, so um you really bread as a whole is not a fabulous food. Um sourdough is the best. And if you want to have the so I have sourdough rye bread. Um and so the rye is the best grain because it's the wheat and it's the wheat that causes inflammation. So we have to start, try and stay away from wheat flour. So wholemeal and whole grain is better than white, yes. And if you're only having a small amount, that's fine. Um, but look at the sugar on the packet of the bread. So that's what I would say. So if you're going to think, is this bread going to help be healthy? If you turn it and look at the nutritional information, and if there's more than five grams of sugar per 100 grams of bread, not per slice, per 100 grams, you might have to work that out. 
I don't know if they give you that on all loaves of bread, um, then you shouldn't be eating it because no, they've loaded it with sugar. Sensations. Go and have a look. Yeah, yeah, go and have a look. I shop in Sainsbury's too, but they do, they do sourdough and they do a rye sourdough, which has got less than um, five grams okay so so all right so we can replace the bread that we've been eating with the rye sourdough now i know some people yeah. are allergic to sourdough Your kids might like work for them no <laughs> you see you might and and people um are allergic to wheat so and they have to have gluten-free so you know you could swap to gluten-free bread if you want to but still you need that whole grain in there and not white um there was research done and in the mid 1800s the diet of the British population, the general population, was the best diet it's been for centuries. Um, and that's and that was just before they discovered white flour. So they were eating, growing all their own vegetables, eating it, having a little meat, not too much because it was expensive. So they would have a little meat. Um, and the bread that they had was all whole grain because that's all they made. They didn't take that out. They just made whole grain. And that was the best it had been as a general rule um, for centuries. And then they, somebody abroad um, started making white flour and then we started importing it. Um, yeah, and then it all went right from there. And we've not got back to it from there. Okay, so Lots I, of I'm issues. I have looked up. I have looked up the um, the nutritional information for my for yeah, my bread. for the bread that we've been eating, and and I've got a and actually I've got to double check. I'm not 100 percent sure it's the complete right one, but it says um, it says a serving contains. Uh, so it's saying on and the sugars. It's saying 1.7 grams. Oh, that's very good. But how much is the 4.3 on 100 grams. There you go. So you're okay. Okay. So that's okay. So, so when you're looking 3. at the bread packet, you're saying, okay, per 100 grams, you want that to be less than five grams. Yes. Okay. So my bread's okay. <laughs> so your bread's okay. So every food, every single food that you're going to eat, look at the packaging. And if it's got more than five grams of sugar per 100 grams, because when you say serving, you've got to know because – on, on some of the bread you'll say per slice and it's like well how much is a slice but they may give you and quite a lot of them do give you the 100 gram version because that is the measure um that's generally perceived that, ev that everybody uses so if you search okay. online that's the one that's good to know and actually the, the farm bread we give the kids which is the Sainsbury's in-house made one yeah not the packaged one um that's 3.2 grams per hundred on the sugar so that's quite good on the sugar so that's yeah. not that bad but it's, okay, it's good. Yeah. I feel a better. okay so we talked about avocados we've talked about replacing avocados with yeah. the peanut butter and the um banana. banana and then of course stephanie's pointed out we need to know what's going on with the bloods because she was eating all these wonderful foods and then found that her potassium levels were very high because of it so one um, of the advantages of doing the doing the bl blood tests. So ta let's talk about HRT. A lot of people are nervous about it. I have someone who's I'm really good friends with whose husband died of cancer. She's scared to death of doing HRT. So she's suffering massively because she doesn't want to do HRT. So let's talk about let's talk about what you know about HRT. Are there and, and how do people go about getting 
figuring out what levels of HRT Thank stuff you. they should be on? So um, HRT got an absolutely bad press. So my mum had breast cancer and my mum to this day can't believe that I'm on HRT. And we have a conversation every so often. Um, and I have to keep finding evidence and sending it to her. Um, so, so HRT HR stands for hormone replacement, hormone replacement therapy. therapy. Yes. And it got a bed press with breast cancer um, quite a few years ago now um, through some research that was done. But the information that went out of the press was incorrect. And um, if you follow um, Louise Newson, she's called the menopause doctor on social media. Um, she's an absolutely brilliant lady, full of lots of information. And she ex explains it, that when they did the research, the people that they, they, most of the women in the research and the trials were um, 60 plus. So they were older women to start off with. And also the findings were not correct. And they said they didn't want to go to press, but it was too late. And all this information went out to press to say that HRT causes breast cancer. Now, the other side of that is that the um, hormones that they got were synthesized from horse urine. So from horse wee. So and that's what they used to use but they no longer use that and they use body identical hormones now. So I'm on HRT, which uses body identical estrogen. So it is safe and it doesn't actually cause breast cancer. Now, it doesn't mean to say that you won't get breast because, you know, there's lots of factors to give you breast cancer. But if you are eating a whole foods diet and um, having body identical HRT, you probably, it won't cause you to get breast cancer. You've got a good chance of not getting it. As, so I'm going to, I'll read else. exactly what the NHS website says around breast cancer with HRT. So it says, yeah. of HRT, the benefits of HRT usually outweigh the risks for most women. The risks are usually very small and depend on the type of HRT you take, how long you take it and your own health risks. And then it says yeah. breast cancer. There is little or no change in the risk of breast cancer if you take um, estrogen only HRT. Combined HRT can be associated with a small increase in the risk of breast cancer. The increased risk is related to how long you take HRT and it falls after you stop taking it. Because of the risk of breast cancer, it's especially important to attend your breast screening appointments mm -hmm. if you're taking HRT. Yes. Um, so that's Definitely. what the official NHS yes. website says. I'll put that yes. in to the chat and we can add that yes. into the show notes. That would so be really good. No, yes. but I think this is the thing is we, once there is a scare that goes out, yeah. right, then, or there's a, there's a study that goes out. I mean, here's the thing. When I studied economics, it was like, you can, you can, you can make the numbers work to whatever message you want to say. And I think we know this with the journal, with news, they can twist. And, you know, I, I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, this little side conversation, but I think it's very, very relevant to this conversation. I was on a phone call last night with some, with, with some coaches and we were talking about the economy and we were talking about the recession, you know, and what's going on. And, and I'm, I'm saying that not like it's not happening, but we're talking about the reality, the fact of this recession. And uh, one of the coaches said to me, you know, Joy, like, I think 
and and we were in a safe space where I was I was saying, you know, look, we're dealing with a recession. Uh, how are you dealing with it? And anyway, this woman said something just absolutely brilliant to me. She said, you know, Joy, I think we need you need to go back and do some work on your abundance consciousness. And I thought that's, that was such a great phrase. And what she said was, there is abundance in everything. And she said, you might have an abundance of bills that are out pay, you know, that are out, that are due. You might have an abundance of debt. You might have an abundance of, you know, um, of failures. <laughs> like it's, there is, there is an abundance. It's just, what are you looking at that abundance on? And I guess how this ties into this conversation is you can spin the story of menopause any way you want to spin it, Right. And if you try, if you if you try and listen to everything that's out there, uh, and you find all of the, and you're looking for the evidence that it gives cancer, or you're looking for, and it's not to say that that it's not valid, and that we shouldn't be looking that. I mean, we should, we should, we should recognize where are these studies coming from. You know, when um, when the the COVID vaccine came out, uh, I was really um, blessed to know and lucky to know one of the women who actually developed the vaccine and Kath Green. And she wrote a book. She, her, her daughter was in my son's class at school. She wrote a book called The Vaxxers. And she explained everything about the vaccine. And she took all the myths people were throwing out into the news and she broke them down and really tried to educate people on why people are saying what they're saying and what's actually happening and why they were able to speed up the, you know, the trials, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as people who are going through massive changes in life right now, you know, we're, we're still living in sort of a COVID world. We're still living in a tricky world with the recession and the, the economy. And, you know, we're also living in a tricky world as women who are going through this menopause phase, uh, often with teenagers, by the way, who are going through their own hormonal changes, <laughs> that double whammy of hormone. Yeah, hitting. that's definitely the case. So, you know, I, I, you can listen to what's ever out there and, and you can make decisions based on that or you can take responsibility. And I think you know, responsibility is the ability to respond. I'm going to look at the information that, that's out there and I'm going to own the decision as to what I'm going to do. But a lot of yeah. people will hear a news report that says uh, HRT causes breast cancer and then that's it. They're going to suffer for the next 20 years because they're not going to change anything about them because they're worried. Yeah. When actually, if they did some digging and some research, they might come to a more educated decision for themselves. And, you know, I, 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 I hope that what, what this podcast is doing and this we're doing a series on menopause, I hope it opens up the conversation, not to say, you know, this is what I believe or this is what Julia believes, but we're bringing together the different people who are in this space to talk about things so that you're more educated so you can take responsibility for what you want to do about menopause. Yeah. But don't let a news article throw you off no. of, of, of your game a news article is a piece of information. You have to go into your gut and say, is this right for me or not? And I think that's the message that we really want to get out here. Suzanne, yeah, Stephanie has also added that we need to check our breasts when we're in the shower and make man. sure we know our boobs. <laughs> that is so true. Absolutely. That is so true. And I think the best thing for people to do, Joy, you know, have start. you start off by having a conversation with your doctor. And if you want to talk about HRT, make an appointment and ask for a doctor that specialises in HRT and menopause to start off with. Then you're going to go in to have a conversation with the right person that's got all the information and the knowledge. And you can say, well, where do you get your information from? You know, ask those questions. 
Where do you get your information from? Where's the evidence? And one of the things that I have been taught when I'm looking for evidence and I'm looking at research papers, you know, you look. So the things that I do is look at the top, look at the abstract. What's it all about? Then I go to the bottom and I have a look who funded that research. You know, if they've got a vested interest. So if they produce um, mass produced food, um, fast foods or, you know, they've got a vested interest in the food chain then I probably won't believe what they're saying because that research will be swayed to have a favourable outcome for them because they've paid for that research. So, you know, it's knowing who did the research, knowing where it came from. So just ask those questions when you're talking to like the professionals, so your doctors. Um, I want to bring up this question because it's, it's great and it ties into what I just shared from the NHS. So on the NHS website, it says there's little or no change in the risk of breast cancer if you take estrogen only HRT. And then yes. it talks about combined HRT. Andrea wants to know what's body identical mean? So body identical is actually um, estrogen that's synthesized from human tissue. So the nut so that's the, from... the, the estrog estrogen based HRT. body identical yeah so, body identical um, estrogen so, based HRT yeah yeah so um and then it depends so if you haven't had any operations or anything you've got your womb and everything you also need progesterone and testosterone would you believe um so that's what the combined HRT is um I don't know if I'm lucky or unlucky, but I don't have ovaries or a womb anymore. So I just have an estrogen only HRT. Um, so, but go and talk to your doctor. Um, they will give you all, because I'm not a medical expert, um, they will give you all that information and they have all the, the science and all the research and access. And they, you know, ask for the doctor that specializes in menopause and HRT and don't suffer if you don't have to if then you made that decision like you say you own that decision that you're not going to take it that's fine but there are other things you can do by balancing your nutrition taking supplements there are other things out there but because the journey isn't like it's not easy to find what works for you which whatever it is even if you take hrt you know what dose you need whether you need a patch whether you need a gel what works for you you just have to it's trial and error to find out what works for you basically andrea um, has a follow-up question she says thank you do they still use more urine to produce some forms of hrt mare urine is that horse urine yes yeah so um i think... <laughs> i did not know we were going to be talking about horse urine <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. So your mother probably had HRT that was made out of horse weed. Yeah, let's put that up. Um, so um, it's just like, why? No. Um, so I think a lot of it today is body identical. But make sure that you that's what you ask your doctor for. Just say, is it body identical? Um, because I think the, the coming around so that is what it is. Um, but I don't, you know, different countries are different as well. So make sure you ask, you want body identical HRT, um, because that is the best thing, because it's more similar to what you, your body's used to. And you can also do things like, you know, if you eat lots of fresh leafy green vegetables, 
in lots of the vegetables, pulses and whole grains, they've got um, phytoestrogens in there, um, which can attach to all the receptors that normal estrogen does. So it, it, it's not a, a like for like replacement, but it can help so much. Uh, but you do have to eat it every day because it does disappear. That's okay, so let's talk about. So you said there's certain foods that attach and that are good for making yeah. estrogen. So Americans call it estrogen, estrogen. <laughs> and I think the Brits call it estrogen. So estrogen. I'm, it's I, the same thing. Yeah. I'm sort of. It's like aluminium and aluminum. I'm sort of having to like. That's you know, the one. Yeah. Tomatoes, tomatoes, potatoes, potatoes. So, um, so estrogen, estrogen what is what what are some of the vegetables as you said give us a give us a list of vegetables that are good for so so if you want to just eat any sort of leafy green vegetables they're really good so a wide variety and variety is the key so you've got broccoli kale spinach green beans anything grown above the ground um okay good we have one of those in every single one of our dinners cauliflower all of those yes yeah yeah and you know just mix in um carrots and all the other bits as well um and not too many white potatoes i don't eat white potatoes um basically when you get into menopause um those simple carbohydrates actually synthesize in your body to sugar really quickly and they can spike your blood sugar um so that isn't good for you um, a so sweet what, potato what is far better. White potatoes with. I have sweet potato. I make sweet potato wedges um, now, uh, occasionally, but quite often I don't even have potatoes. Or you know, the grains. So what have. do you replace the potatoes with if you're not doing sweet potatoes? Um, nothing. I just have vegetables. I just have a plate full of vegetables, um, lots of different vegetables, and even. If I have a little bit of meat, um, so often I'll have that, but I don't eat meat every day. In fact, I don't well, eat meat Well, one thing I week, noticed, so, so, so yeah. you have an actual meal plan that people can yes. download for free, which is awesome. Yes. I've downloaded it. I made the cranberry um, cookies, which cookies. were made with almond. Uh, it was it was almond butter and yeah. cranberries and, and uh, also what, what else? Oats. Is it? Oats. oats. Yeah. So I I made that. So so you've got a meal plan so that people can download for free and they can yeah. see what sort of a menopause adjusted diet is uh, nutritionally. Um, and it's got great, great suggestions in there. It's also themed for the autumn. There's um, pumpkin in there. And I noticed yeah. that for, for what you have done for people who don't necessarily eat meat, you've put in like a, a vanilla protein that they would put into their, their pumpkin uh, shake for example so, yeah yeah definitely yeah. so the only thing about I I try not to use protein powders because you have to look for a really good one um, but if you don't eat meat and you really don't eat oats or anything because you can actually just put oats in instead of protein powder and if you find any recipes that's got protein powder you can swap it with oats then swap it with oats because oats are full of protein um, so if people want to find you on Instagram, they go to My Treasured Life Nutrition. And yes. then in your link in bio, there is your there's the petition, um, yes. which I'll share as well into the chat for people who want to sign the petition. It's got two thousand eight hundred and eleven signatures. So I'm hoping that this podcast will help increase the signatures on that petition. Yeah. 
10,000 signatures, the government will respond to the petition. And this is the petition to help keep more women in the workplace for longer and improve their rights. And it would be that the government would add menopause to the Equalities Act 2010 as a protected characteristic and would require employers to make reasonable adjustments for menopausal women. I think this is a huge, yeah. important petition that we should be doing. You also have your five-day, uh, I love what you call it. It's it's your real food, real quick real menu quick. plan. Yeah. I love that. It's just so, to show people that, you know, cooking from scratch is not, doesn't take forever. It doesn't have to take forever. No, my mum used to, yeah, I was always cooked from scratch. So, so I, put, I, was used to. I put the link to the petition and I've put the link to your five-day real food, real quick menu plan in the chat. It's also going to yeah. go in the show notes. It'll also go out yeah. in the email uh, that we send to all of our podcast listeners. Um, I have to say, I did not know I was going to be talking about horse we and uh, <laughs> uh, all sorts of other things. But it was amazing to have this conversation and um, and really open up this 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 uh, topic on a deeper level. I know, you know, some of you are listening to this podcast going, well, I thought Sparkle and Thrive, the Tech Pixies podcast was about social media. You know, social media is a small piece of what we do at Tech Pixies. It's what we started with mm -hmm. at Tech Pixies, but we do so much more. And, and we have now have a, a thriving membership of women uh, in this 40 to 60 age range who are leveraging social media, just like Julia is, in order to get her message out there around menopause and nutrition. Um, but we're also, we also have life coaching programs. We have our vision workshop and, uh, you know, Julia's doing our dream builder program. So we've yeah. got lots of different ways that you can work with type It really is about helping you to sparkle and thrive. It's helping you find those supportive, positive, authentic relationships with other women who are keen to learn and want to be empowered and getting you in community with them so you can move forward. And Julia is a really great example of that. And I'm so glad that you're in our community. And I'm so thankful that you have been doing all this work to get to the place where you've got your voice and you're using social media to get that voice out there and you're changing women's lives, especially those with menopause through nutrition. So Julia, you are a shining light in our community. And I wanna say thank you so much for being here today. There's one final question before we go and then we'll wrap this baby up. And that's from Tanya. And she says, what reasonable adjustments could an employer make that would help with brain fog and mood swings? So I think um, the main things on there, one of the things that I find is um, supporting them with information. So, you know, finding somebody like me, a nutrition coach that will come in and run courses and show um, the women in, in their employment you know what they should be eating how they should be eating when they should be eating um also making sure the lighting and natural light is available in the workplace so that's one of my biggest things because i work in a windowless warehouse so i have to move my office into the front of the building where there's windows and i have to spend a certain amount of day there otherwise i get fatigued so that will improve your energy as well so there's lo lots and lots and lots of information out there in the world. I think the employers just need to go and find it, bring it into the workplace um, and, and support their employees and understand that they might have to adjust their working hours, adjust how they work. My, my employer is fabulous, bought me a standing sitting desk because I, so I can stand and not sit down and do nothing, or, you know, 
so I can be moving when I'm working. That really helped me. So finding the right information and just being um, aware and educating themselves on what the menopause is all about and how people can find help and providing their employees with, you know, all that information at a minimum. But it would be ideal if they would provide some training as well. So actually, if you are listening to this podcast and you have staff and you want to help them adjust the work and you want to help your workplace adjust to women in your office who are going through menopause, then you need to be speaking with Julia because she's doing these workshops in corporate environments, in business environments to help level up the education across the board for the companies that are employing women of this age. So great. So, so great. Okay. Uh, Stephanie says, great answer, Julia. Employers can do lots to help. They just need to be told what they can do. And I think that's half the battle. They they don't have this knowledge either. And we went back to that conversation of responsibility. If we know, if we have the knowledge, knowledge is power, and we can act on that, we can create an environment which is an environment that women can thrive in, then we're moving forwards. Oh, brilliant. Well, Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me on. It's been amazing. It's been my pleasure. Likewise. Thanks, everybody, for watching live and those of you who are listening to it on replay. I hope you enjoy our menopause series. We've got at least three podcasts in the pipeline. We may have a few more, depending on how popular the topic is. Uh, I've loved these conversations. So do let us know by emailing support at techpixies.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to see more of them, or if you have other ideas for the podcast, that you'd like to see us uh, put out there. It's really about helping women in this age range, 40s to 60s, some maybe in their 30s, some maybe in their 70s, move forward and thrive in their life. And that's, that's what matters to me and it matters to Julia and it matters to all of our listeners as well. Have a great day, everybody.